Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the 60th episode, and I'm here ahead of the Austrian Grand Prix. On the back of many milestones for the Red Bull team and some of its team members in Canada, F1 makes their way to their home track for a sprint weekend. But first, before I preview what's going on in Spielberg, first a quick reminder, check out the link tree in the description. It has links to all my pages, all the platforms you can find this podcast, guys, my YouTube channel, which I am posting to now. Break Bias Twitter uh, that follows race weekends. My TikTok channel has my email address if you'd like to contact me, as well as my personal pages, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, that stuff. Now, let's talk Red Bull Ring sprint action for the second consecutive year. Okay, storylines. This format staying the same, guys. Storylines heading into the weekend. This one dropped today. I'm recording on a Monday. Ryan Reynolds and his investment group, along with uh, Rob McElhinney, I think I'm saying that right, uh, Michael B. Jordan. If I'm saying it wrong, I apologize. But anyway, the the co-owners of Wrexham, I believe, um, they now own 24% of, uh, and of course, of course, it's not just the three of them. They're a part of a major investment group, but they own 24% of Alpine. Ryan Reynolds was going to buy the Ottawa Senators, an NHL team, for some of you F1 fans that maybe don't know hockey very well. That didn't work out. Now they have a quarter of the Alpine F1 team. And from what I've heard, these F1 teams are getting valued at about a billion dollars, if not more. And several uh, groups or teams have expressed interest in getting into F1. And they've been turning down offers at billion dollar valuations. These teams think they're worth even more than a billion dollars. That is crazy to think about. And speaking of which, the high-tech GP... They are an F2 team. They also have put in a bid to join the F1 grid in 2026. I don't know how the hell they get in and Andretti Cadillac doesn't. And then we also don't even know um, if there's going to be any other teams that are going to be doing the same. I can't see high tech making it in at all. But anyway, just thought I'd share that too. An F2 team is also trying to get into F1. So that is interesting. Um, some other things going on. I mean, I feel like I'm waiting every single day for this Lewis Hamilton contract to, to be announced and it still hasn't happened. Although it does look increasingly likely that of course it was going to be Mercedes, um, all this time. I just think maybe Lewis is, uh, I don't know if they're trying to work out term. I feel like Lewis knows exactly how many years he wants to do. And I wouldn't be surprised if he is honestly just holding out for some sort of like extra perk in the contract I really have no idea I'm completely speculating but we're still waiting for that Lewis Hamilton contract to come out which I think is kind of interesting but what I think is perhaps even more interesting is all this buzz about Daniel Ricardo potentially coming to AlphaTauri I think this was discussed earlier on and I was like guys come on it's got to be Liam Lawson if they're going to drop Nick DeVries not a chance Ricardo takes that seat right However, he has said that he wants to end his career at Red Bull Racing and, quote, knows he probably needs to work his way up. What does that mean? Well, it's how he started his career. He started with Toro Rosso. He made it to the Red Bull team. I think that shows that he would actually be down to go to AlphaTauri, um, see if he can prove his worth against someone like Yuki Tsunoda, who's driving pretty well this year, and then see if, uh, you know, if Perez continues to struggle the way he is, he can maybe earn himself an opportunity. Could you imagine that would be just an absolute insane redemption from Daniel Ricciardo? And I think he is definitely missed on the grid this year. Um, 
not only has the racing just been kind of poor in 2023 just because of the nature of the competitive order, we're also missing that Daniel Ricciardo element that makes some of the off-track stuff so fun. I think that is a, an element of 2023 that is lacking at the moment. And uh, more Daniel, better life, you know what I'm saying? So I would definitely welcome a Ricardo move to AlphaTauri. Does it make sense for Red Bull? Is Liam Lawson getting absolutely shafted if that happens? Both those things could be argued for sure. Um, but I think the casual fan for sure, they don't give a shit who Liam Lawson is. And I'm sorry for the language, but it's just the truth. Liam Lawson, I think, is a good guy. I think he's a great driver and probably deserves the seat. Ricardo has had his time. Um, but everybody loves Daniel Ricardo, man. So I think uh, that's a tough one for uh, the Kiwi. But anyway, on the topic of Red Bull, I think this is a more, I guess, serious topic heading in and I kind of teased this last week um, on the Canada review episode but this is the first time Red Bull is racing at the Red Bull ring since the passing of uh, Dietrich Mateschitz who of course was extremely influential in basically where they are today Um, so I think this weekend will mean a lot to them Um, if they were to you know get those milestones of their 200th win in F1 or sorry their 100th win in F1 200 wins for Nui, 100, uh, what was it for Max? I already, what, what was the milestone that Max got? Jeez, I'm, I'm asking you guys, like you guys can respond to me. Um, so maybe some of you are yelling into, uh, into your speaker right now, but I, I already forget what the milestone, oh, he matched Ayrton Senna. That's what it was. There you go. See, thanks for telling me, guys. Uh, I wouldn't have uh, figured that out without you uh, yelling into your speaker. So thank you. He matched Aaron Senna. If all that happened um, at the Austrian Grand Prix, I think that would have been extra special, especially, of course, the the team. Of course, uh, Max Verstappen and Nui are a little bit individual records, but the team getting their 100th win, if they were able to do that at Austria, I think that would have been uh, quite the celebration. However, they are going to want to win here, no doubt about it. Um, And honestly, kind of segueing into just some on-track stuff, I love um, the Red Bull ring. I think it's a fantastic track, really short lap, but it's high speed. I think it's the perfect place to have a sprint, which uh, I will go through the format again for some who may may need some reminding because it is still a brand new format this year. And uh, there's so much more action. I don't blame you if you missed some of what happened in Baku and you need a bit of a refresher of how uh, F1 is doing their sprints this year. I completely understand that. But anyway, Austria. Fantastic track. Um, I'm going to have more on that actually in a bit. So why don't we get into uh, some performance upgrades that are coming to Austria or at least some performance storylines. Let's let's put it that way, because I think the only team bringing major upgrades to Austria is McLaren. So why don't we just start with them? They have some monumental updates coming over the next few races actually and I think this is the first um, since Baku their first major upgrade again and they have said that they are bringing pretty much new parts to every single aerodynamic bit on their cars that is pretty wild to hear I'm not sure how much they've already changed or if that means starting this race however the European races the McLaren is going to rapidly change and we will see if uh, some of these um New hires, the the wind tunnel running, any of that is starting to pay any dividends. I'm not sure. Tim did say a couple weeks ago, I don't think the, the wind tunnel is operational yet. But still, 
let's see if they can make some progress. Um, I think it's pretty important for the team and their fans. I, I think their fans deserve better um, than what they're putting up right now. McLaren is a better team than they they have uh, been performing on track. So I'm hoping for uh, Lando Norris also deserves better. Like let's be let's be real here. Um, so yeah, I'm really hoping for uh, a McLaren to turn around and join that uh, maybe that fight with Alpine because I think the fight for fourth last year was fantastic. There was always a little storyline to watch in the midfield after um, you know the Mercedes Ferrari Red Bull story may have been may have been done, but then there was always the Alonso and Norris fight, which was great. Um, so that I would definitely welcome that back to Formula One in 2023 for sure. But looking a little bit at the front, Red Bull has already announced that they're shifting focus to next year. I'm really not sure how much they're really going to progress over the year. They already have a huge gap. No really need to. Aston Martin, they are very confident that they can be challenging Red Bull within the next couple races. They already think Austria might be that time. They wanted to uh, try some aggressive setups in Canada, but there was so little practice running that Aston Martin couldn't do it. Alonso had to manage that issue in Canada. They think that their simulator is showing that they'll be challenging Red Bull in absolutely no time, and they have more upgrades still in the works. I th- I honestly think for all you guys who are, you know, pessimistic about this season so far, and I, I don't blame you. In fact, I was just having a talk with one of my friends um, who used to watch F1, not directly with me, but he would watch the races and we would talk about it after. And he was like, man, like, I just haven't watched much this year. It's it's all the same and the races haven't been good. And he's a Ferrari fan, so I understand also being in just agony 24-7 watching that team. I really do think the second half of this season um, is going to be a lot more competitive. If Red Bull stands still, Mercedes, Aston Martin, Ferrari, they're all in their own fight. And then they also want to close the gap to Red Bull, even if maybe their focus should be on next year. You know, Lewis Hamilton has mentioned that. I'll get into Mercedes in a second. But they all want to close this gap this year and understand all these new concepts. Aston Martin, of course, started ahead of Mercedes and Ferrari. Mercedes and Ferrari need to develop this concept so they understand it for next year. They can't just start focusing on next next year's car. They need to see it on the track. Um so they're all going to be gunning to just to challenge Red Bull by the end of the year. Don't get me wrong. The start of next year, Red Bull's probably going to look somewhat dominant again, and hopefully it's just a little bit closer. But anyway, the fact that Aston Martin is confident already this race and Mercedes getting to them now, they think they'll, they will fare well here in Austria because, you know, not many slow-speed corners. That's where they say they struggle the most. They don't think they're going to challenge at the front. Until after Silverstone, which is the race right after Austria, they think they can already challenge Red Bull in two races. And then there's Ferrari, who are working to get a brand new floor to the track as soon as possible. This is per Formula Racers. Complete, outside, but reliable source. And they say that that could indicate, and I think this is a smart speculation, that they're seeing big gains in the wind tunnel with this floor. Why would you try to fast track a piece to get there as soon as possible? if you're not seeing it pay massive dividends. So if Merck is confident, Aston's confident, and then Ferrari, I thought they looked fantastic in Canada. Yes, that track really suited their characteristics. If they're, this floor that they're bringing, that they're fast-tracking to uh, their car, if it's super successful, could you imagine, even if Red Bull already has this championship sewn up, just the second half of the season with all four of them actually battling for the lead, Yes, the championship's not on the line. 
I don't even care. Just give me some good races. I would be thrilled about that if we come out of the summer break and we have a four-car battle for the win in uh, in the Dutch Grand Prix. That would just be stellar. Just give me some good races, F1. That is all I need. Max Verstappen and Red Bull can walk away with this championship. That is fine with me. But just give me some racing. We'll we'll get to next year when we get there. All right. Anyway, that is all. The pro- actually no, I can't I, I can't leave Williams out. I think I should just note. Again, I I made note of this last week. Logan Sargent he should have the that successful Williams upgrade that propelled Alex Albon to P7 in Montreal on his car this weekend. So look out to see. You know he's he's raced in Austria many times. Some of these tracks he's mentioned that he's never been to before. Australia, Miami, um, Saudi Arabia. I think those were all firsts for him. The European leg, every driver is driven these tracks a million times. There's no excuse there. He's got this new upgrade. Let's see how he compares to Alex Albon, who is a fantastic driver, let's be honest. I'm not saying I really believe in Logan. I haven't been really that impressed with uh, what he's doing since basically Bahrain and Saudi Arabia. But let's see. You know, He's got this upgrade on his car now. He's uh, got no more excuses about the tracks. I think uh, he's someone that I'll be watching this weekend. And maybe you guys want to watch him too because I would love to see the American driver farewell. But, um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. And let's talk a little bit about what happened last year before we get into predictions. It was Verstappen edging Leclerc to pole position. He also took the sprint win. But then in the race last year, we used to have the uh, sprint. We had the qualifying on Friday that set the grid for the sprint. Then the sprint, uh, whoever won the sprint, was on pole for the race. And in the race, Charles won from Max, making it his first win from a spot on the grid besides pole. And it actually would have been a Ferrari 1-2 if it weren't for a late race retirement from Science. If you don't remember, I'm pretty sure he was... If, I don't remember if he was already just past Verstappen or if he was like right on the tail of Verstappen when his engine just blew... He went straight on at turn four, I believe it was. Yeah, at turn four. And then uh, his Ferrari was in flames, and it actually rolled back onto the track. It was kind of sketchy, um, but that was a tough one for Signs because he had a bit of a rough season. That was one of his best races. Yes, he would have still finished behind his teammate, but he looked really quick. The, the Ferrari honestly looked amazing. They, you know, Charles passed Max three times in that race. They looked brilliant on track and from the pit wall. And they haven't won a race since. Yes, Ferrari's last win was Austria 2022. So maybe that gives them some some hope for this weekend as well, seeing that they fared well here last year, although they basically have a whole new car. Before I get into, well, I guess I can't change lanes now. Let's just finish with what happened last year. And then I have to break down this sprint race. Um, so... Or, or the foreman, I should say. So George Russell, if you guys don't remember that, he tangled with Perez last year and sent him off into the gravel. Perez DNF'd. George, I think, actually recovered to like a solid P4 finish, but Lewis Hamilton, I think, was P3 because Sainz had retired. So I think Lewis was P3, but like 40 seconds behind Max or something. Like I remember him just being an absolute no-man's land. George Russell is probably like an extra 18 seconds because I think he got a five-second penalty. Um... I should have confirmed all this, but I'm fairly positive that that's kind of how it went. And then Ocon was 
very strong here with a very underrated P5. And then Haas, with their best weekend of the year in P6 and P8, that was 14 of their 37 points last year. And, of course, Mick Schumacher's by far best result in F1. We also saw Mick Schumacher getting pissed in the sprint because he felt that he was quicker than Kevin and they should have let him by. And they're like, no, hold position. We just we're Haas. We need some freaking points. Um, so speaking of which, I think Haas actually scored an extra one or two points in the sprint, and I didn't even count those. So that's like 16 of their points, right? Because P6 is 8, P8 is 4. Oh, so that did actually, yeah, that did actually count the two points from the sprint. Okay, never mind. Um, also, last year in Austria, who remembers the five-car battle? That was epic. We had one of the most brilliant racing moments of the year last year with Norris, Joe, Alonso, and then the Haas guys, Magnussen and Schumacher. Just fantastic. I believe, I don't remember who came out on top. I want to say it was Norris, and then Joe was the one who lost out. Um, but just amazing racing through like a couple corners with five cars. Then you also can't forget the Alonso finger wag to Sonoda. Just brilliant stuff. Classic Alonso. And honestly, it was a good race last year. Um, it's strange that it just doesn't really feel like it was, it wasn't really remembered as a great race. And I do remember, this is a weird thing to remember, but a friend of mine who I had spoken to right after the Austrian Grand Prix was like, well, that was a stinker. And I was like, are we, were we watching the same thing? What are you talking about? Like we had multiple passes for the lead. We had a five car battle. We had Alonso going rogue. Like it was incredible we even had some crashing like i know some people don't want to see the drivers just run into each other but for some people that does you know enhance the watching experience so i feel like the race had everything and it was somehow not held in a really high regard yes it wasn't silverstone yes it wasn't brazil those tracks are always fantastic and those races seem to always deliver but i thought the austrian grand prix was great i think it's one of the best venues for a sprint the uh you're, you're going to get around the lap a lot of times, even in a sprint race, just because of how short it is. You got the three DRS zones. It's just great stuff. I love racing there on the F1 game, too. I, I think Austria is great. Um, if, if you guys haven't figured that already, I know I'm just talking about how great it is. Um, anyway, my prediction, though, for qualifying on pole position, I think on a short lap, it's a little bit harder for, you know, Max dominate, especially in qualifying. If it's dry, I actually haven't even looked at the forecast. If it's dry, you know, maybe someone could hop in there. But honestly, I don't think so. I think Max Verstappen's got this. I think he's actually really, really strong in Austria. But for whatever reason, last year, the the Red Bull, who is usually so good on their tires, I think they had to screw, screw, holy, screwed something up on their setup because their tire deg was horrendous which is like one of their biggest strengths um so ferrari somehow was better on their tires than red bull was last year so that says a lot um but yeah i'm, I'm gonna stick with max on pole um i think checo makes it into q3 but i actually think that this time he makes it into q3 but then disappoints in q3 i'm gonna say Charles Leclerc gets right up at the front he might start on the front row um and then oh my god how did i forget Okay, well, I guess I'll do my predictions in order of the format. So there we go. So it starts with practice on Friday, guys, and then it goes straight into qualifying where Max will be on pole, Charles Leclerc P2, and then P3, give me give me signs. I think the Ferrari's going to have a great qualifying. Uh, then I'll go Alonso P4, 
Checo P5, and then the Mercedes boys, I think they're going to not have the greatest weekend, um, and it might bring them back down to earth a bit. I think they'll be good in the race, but in qualifying, I see them underneath those guys. Um, and then for the sprint shootout, that is on Saturday morning. It's a whole nother qualifying. It's kind of strange because it's like, well, we just had a qualifying. How much is going to change? It might not, but you never know. You also might get completely different conditions. Anyway, that sprint shootout sets the grid for the sprint. The qualifying on Friday is for the Grand Prix, so that is why it's completely new. It's Saturday is basically sprint day. Um, I'm not going to make a prediction for the sprint shootout because I would say it's going to be the same. The same prediction I just had is what's going to happen then. Um, unless there's no different conditions, but I haven't looked at the forecast. So, um, there's that sprint race. I think Max converts, I, I think without strategy coming into play, um, that he's not just going to lose out, um, in, in one stint. So I think he wins the sprint. Um, and then I will say that Alonso gets past signs. Leclerc converts a P2 Perez, um, yeah, we'll say he holds position. I'll say Perez. Uh, actually, no, Perez will also pass signs. Perez will get P4. There you go. So there's your podium for the sprint shootout, or for, for the sprint. I'm going to say it's, uh, yes, Max, Leclerc, Alonso. But then for the race, I'm going to say Max keeps winning. But this time, I'm going to say it's a great battle between Ferrari, Mercedes, and Alonso throughout the whole thing. Alonso gets the P2. He works his way up. Leclerc falls back to P3, and Perez is P4. So obviously I'm not predicting a great weekend for Mercedes. No podium for them here. But my bold prediction will be that Alpine will be biting at the heels of the top four. I know that's not that bold, but I really think they're going to be in that fight. I feel like it's probably going to be like a P6 and a P8 type of thing. Um, But they're not going to be like, you know, sometimes at the end of a race, you can see like an Esteban Ocon just kind of fall off a little bit and finish like 10 seconds behind that, that group. I'm saying they're with them the whole time. There's going to be battling between, you know, like Ocon and Signs at, at some point or, or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's kind of a lame bold prediction. But there you go. That is it. Now, let's go into Brad's bets. All right, now it's time for Brad's bets, which means we have to go back to the Canadian Grand Prix a couple weeks ago for a review of my picks i had lewis and alonso on the podium both of those hit i did not have lance stroll top six but i did give that one to you guys he was nowhere close i said you got to take the over for 18.5 classified cars of course we did have two retirements with george russell and logan Sargent. um we also had no safety car period i did say take one or the other I mean, I guess to be fair, I did say take one or the other for Lewis or Alonso as well. Both, we had a safety car and we had two retirements, so neither of those hit. And of course, my long shot, that was never going to happen for Lance Stroll on the podium, also did not hit. So not a great week, um, but I did avoid the both Red Bulls on the podium, which is nice. So this week, I have minus 160 for Alonso podium. I think this is almost guaranteed. So minus 160 money is not too shabby. I think plus 300 for one of the Haases to finish in the points. I'm not just going off of last year, but I do think that Haas has always, for some reason, gone well here in Austria. It's just really hard to make it into the points, so I get it. But that's why it's plus 300. It's just, this is a tough one, and I think if there's any race where Haas is going to sneak in there, it probably is Austria. 
And then I think this is also a good one. Between 5 and 10 seconds winning margin, plus 300, it is usually much closer to even money. Over 10 seconds is a massive favorite here. I actually think that this race could definitely be closer to Max Verstappen again than, um, you know, uh, past races before Canada per se. So I don't mind plus 300 for the between 10 and five seconds. And then of course, I still think Max is going to finish on pole and take the victory. That is minus 130. That's great money for that. Something that's very likely. And then the long shot, you're going to probably laugh, but guys, I got Alonso taking the victory plus 1100. I don't know. I think Maybe a nightmare happens to uh, to Max Verstappen. I think Alonso is 100% top two in this race. And who knows, if Aston is telling the truth about the, what they're seeing in the simulations, maybe he actually can challenge Red Bull and we see a shock win from Fernando Alonso. At plus 1,100, I actually don't hate it. Anyway, that's going to do it, guys. Um, I'll, I'll give you guys fair warning for episode 60. I'm going to a concert this weekend. So if my voice is completely lost, I'm going to do the podcast, but I apologize in advance if that is the case. But anyway, that is going to do it for episode 60 of Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I will be back with episode 61 Monday to review the Austrian Grand Prix weekend. Can Ferrari repeat their success or another team here challenge the home favorites? We just have to wait a bit longer to find out. Goodbye.